This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 105. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 105. Hello, Shameless Moms. I am so happy to be here today. This is like my little moment of peace and solitude, just hanging out with all my best friends, which is you all, um, in the middle of kind of a nutty few weeks. I'm one trip down and two trips to go on my little uh, three trips and four weeks expedition. So I got back from Texas a few days ago. I was in Texas for three days, uh, meeting with some mastermind friends, people who I am working with, with a business coach to just improve how I run my businesses and how I serve all my people and just get me really fired up and inspired to continue to put great things out into the world and be really focused on the things that are most important to me. So that was a fantastic trip. I got to meet Holly Rigsby. So that was exciting. She was one of our recent guests. I also got to finally meet Carrie Wilkerson, who was leading this whole event and she is my new business coach. And so she also was on the Shameless Mom Academy. So it was fun to meet two different people who I'd interviewed, who I felt like I had very close relationships with after interviewing them, but I had never actually met them in, in person. And I had been connected to them for a while in the online space and through just different colleagues. So that was really fun. Now we're preparing to go on a family vacation to Hawaii, which will be really, really fun. We're going with five families. So there will be eight children ages four and under. So I know you're probably not even jealous. When I said Hawaii, everyone's like, oh, I want to go. And then I said eight children, four and under. And you're like, no, don't even need to go on that trip, right? <laughs> It'll actually be really fun. We traveled with these families last year. Um, it's lively for sure, but it's also a lot of fun. And last year, we all got sick. So we were in Mexico. So we all initially were like thinking that we had Montezuma's revenge, but actually the whole town we were in was sick um, with a flu bug and that we all got like every single person got it. I think by the end of the trip, the last family that got hit was like on the airplane coming down with things, which was a little bit of a 
biohazard disaster. Um, If you can imagine traveling with at that time, a three year old, a one year old and two parents who were not holding things in so well. So um, what's funny is we look back on that trip, all of us and we're like, Oh, that was so much fun. And then we're like, Oh, yeah, but we were all sick the whole time. So we're thinking like, this is going to be so much more fun this year, because hopefully we don't all get sick in Hawaii, the chances of it happening two years in a row have to be really slim, I'm hoping. So that'll be really fun. And then when we come back from that trip, a few days later, I head to the Philippines for another business event. So it's ironic that I'm talking to you today about secrets to slowing down and simplifying when things don't sound so slow or simple in my life. But I will say that when I'm going through seasons like this, and I've talked to you about how, you know, I'm not a big fan of the hustle and like a hustle around the clock to get what you want and hustle to build business and those kinds of things. But I think I am a fan of the season um, perspective where there's seasons where things can be really busy and really hectic. And like, you just have a lot of different, um, you know, maybe demands that need to be met. And then there's other seasons where you can pull back, relax, and chill out. So all this advice that I'm going to give to you today and the things that we're going to be talking about, none of it's going to be perfect. And so I'm going to lay it out for you and it's going to sound really pretty and perfect. It's going to sound like I'm putting this beautiful little bow on something that you can just go like make a checklist of and do perfectly the first time. I will tell you right now, that's not the case. And that's not the case. That's not how it works in my life either. I'm going to advise you in many of the techniques that I do use in my own personal life, but I will also give you the caveat that there is some flexibility to all these things because sometimes these things don't happen the way I'm going to explain them. And I'll talk a little bit about that as we go through it. Um, But there's never a perfect system. There's never a system where you're like, now I totally have it mastered and like life will be easy from here on out. That's just not the way that it works. It's just a constant juggle to see like, okay, if I need to like pick up energy in one area and really focus on one thing, like where can I cut things out? So for me, the way I do that, when I have multiple trips in a row, so for example, I had Texas home for a week, Hawaii home for four days, and then the Philippines, I've been really careful with my time in between trips that I'm really limiting what I'm scheduling. So I actually haven't, it hasn't felt like a really crazy week this week because I've been able to be home five days in a row. I only had one thing scheduled in the evening, which I actually could do from home. And then all my daytime stuff that was scheduled, I was careful about how I scheduled it so that I really felt like I had this week to prepare for being gone for another two weeks. So, and then when I'm home from Hawaii, in between Hawaii and my trip to the Philippines, I just double checked my schedule to make sure I was on this. But I have three work days in there where I have like one little thing scheduled each day that I can do from home. So like a conference call, I think I have a conference call on one day that I'm participating in another conference call that I have to lead. And that might be it. So super keeping things super simple so that when I'm home in between hectic things, I can keep it chill and mellow and I'm not freaking out because historically I have not done that as well. And then I end up like not sleeping and having a lot of anxiety and panicking and then being resentful that I booked things the way that I did on my own, like free will, mind you. Um, and I end up dreading things and getting into kind of a negative mindset around all of it, which is the opposite of how you want to be thinking about like business opportunities or family vacations and all that kind of stuff. So that's where we're going to, how we're going to kind of kick this off today with, um, you knowing that I am in the middle of some chaos, but I feel like it's been pretty calm chaos. Um, so we'll see tonight is when I officially start packing for Hawaii. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. The chaos might feel a little more intense. Although I will say I was so proud of myself. I brought a suitcase upstairs over a week ago and started throwing stuff in it. It's not organized, but I just started throwing like swimsuits and shorts and like stuff for Vinny and me in there. My husband will pack his stuff. Because let's be honest, 
this is what the boys do. I talked about this on um, another episode recently. The boys, like, they pack their little thing and they're all good and easy. And then the wife packs everything else for the whole family. So that's where I'm at. And I actually, um, recent last night, I was putting together the grocery list, which all of the moms who are going on this trip got together and we made a master grocery list. And then last night, I emailed it out to all of the families. And one of the other moms and I are going to Costco and buying all the food. We're taking a minivan with no seats in it to buy food for 10 adults and eight kids for a week. Do you think we can fit all the food in one minivan? Because I feel like I feel like a, a little bit like we're going on um, on the amazing race. And this is going to be one of our challenges. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm actually the, the mom who's grocery shopping with me is Susie Lane from the kitchen door, who was one of my very, very early episodes um, and interviews on the Shameless Mom Academy. So the great thing is she is a chef and she, I think, will have some great ideas on how to um, manage all this volume of food. So that'll be a fun little adventure. All right. So getting into things today. And I will one more note. Uh, by the way, when you travel in large groups or if it's just your family, having some lists like that in advance make a huge difference. Having this big, huge grocery list and we designated what dinners are every single night. Oh my gosh, like it's so easy. And we did this last year too, where it was just like everyone knew what the food situation was. Everyone knew that like every night of the week, one family was in charge of something. So it was just very simple. Granted, when we all got sick, things had to change a little bit. But basically, no one was eating, so it didn't matter. Um, so that was actually really helpful. So don't ever be afraid to like, you know, the things that you do in your life at home that I recommend, like meal planning and those kinds of things, do those on vacation too. Not because you're trying to like punish yourself, but because you're trying to make your life easier. And sometimes we think of our routine things from at home, from home as punishments, like, oh, like I have to eat healthy and go to the gym and blah, blah, blah. Those are actually like think par parts of your routine that give you fuel and keep you like sane and focused and patient and happy and joyful and energetic. And so all those kinds of things. So don't always look at like systematized things as um, structure that only needs to exist at home that can also exist on vacation and in, in all scenarios in life, because then that will help keep you um, in places where you can really enjoy the space that you've created for yourself. So let's talk about secrets to slowing down and simplifying. I'm going to go through seven different things here. And some of them are things I've touched on before. Some of them are new things. Um, I'm going to give some specific examples. And I want you to take notes on the ones that are most significant to you, on the ones where you're like, yes, that's where I really struggle. So let's go ahead and start with meal planning. Uh, my hope is that a lot of this will help you with decision fatigue because just we make a million decisions a day, like literally tens of thousands of decisions a day. And I feel like as a, when you're a mom, that is like exponentially higher than in, in your pre-mom life, because you're not only making the decisions that you were already making in pre-mom life, but you are also making decisions for your child. And you're also making these like what I call family manager decisions, where there's just all the stuff that is constantly on your mind that you're having to decide, like, are we doing plan A? Are we doing plan B? How does this impact like the family, the schedule, the child, the eating, the everything? So you, you're pulled in a lot of different directions when it comes to decisions. And so when it comes to simplifying and slowing down, you have to minimize that decision, those decisions every day. That is such a powerful, powerful way to feel like you are creating space in your own life. And we're going to talk a little bit about this more, a little bit more at the end, but I want you to be thinking about using the information in this episode as a means to tearing off your busy badge. And what I mean by that is that it's very socially acceptable. And not only is it socially acceptable, but it's almost a competition for moms, I feel to identify as being really busy. And so when you run into people, it's like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Oh, it's, we're just so busy. Everything's so busy. The kids are so busy. 
you are only as busy as you think you are. And if you think you're busy, you will be. And if you think things are chaotic, they will be. And if you think you don't have time for anything, that will be the truth. If you think that you create space for the things that are high priority and that you also create space for calm and peace and quiet in your life, that will be the case. Because how you identify on either end of the scale, whether you identify as being super, super busy, or if you identify as being you know, calm, collected, and in control of your schedule, you will make decisions based on that self-image. And so if you think that you're really busy all the time, you will just continue to make choices that let you be busy all the time. And if you think that like, no, I create space for the things that I want to create space for. And then I live the life that I want to live and my family wants to live and it serves that serves us in the most like calm, collected way, then you will make decisions based on that. You will say no to the things that aren't high priority because you will be aware of the fact that you actually want to create space for high priority things only in your life. And so as we're going through this, think about tearing off that busy badge. Stop identifying as being busy. You are not more of a martyr. You are not living a fuller life. You are not more important or more special just because you think you're super busy. All right. So a little bit of a rant on that. And we're going to touch on it again at the end, because I think that we need to step away from this idea that there is like some sort of status in being busy and booked. And it's almost like being really popular. Like it gives us this illusion of like, well, I'm so busy. Like I'm obviously very important and everyone needs me. Let's not do that. You're no more important than anyone else, nor am I. And so when I say, you know, when people are saying to me like, Hey, when can we get together? And this has happened a few times in the last couple of weeks where people have reached out and like, Hey, can we, you know, let's get together for this or that. And I'll say, I'm in the middle of this crazy time with travel Um, so I'm actually, I would love to like, can we do something after March 20th? And I'll say, I know that sounds far out, but that's kind of where I need to be booking things right now. I don't say, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. And I can't believe I did this. And how am I going to like, I don't turn it into this big, huge, like badge of honor kind of a thing. It's just that like right now I have as many things on my plate as I can take. And so let's look at what, what we can do after March 20th. I would love to see you. I would love to hang out. And I make it this very casual, comfortable thing because just because I have a lot going on right now doesn't mean like I'm busier and more significant, more important or doing more significant or important things than anyone else. Um, so let, like if we can back away from how we identify or take a closer look at how we identify, I think that can help us back away from some of these, um, some of these self perceptions that like, we're almost trying to like compete in our own popularity contest, if that makes sense. And that might, maybe you don't think that pertains to you, but maybe you're thinking of someone else where you're like, Oh my gosh, this one person, she thinks she's so popular because she always has so much to do. (laughs) And popular isn't necessarily the right word for, I think from this point in most people's lives as you know, many of our listeners, like as middle-aged mothers, um, which I know that doesn't apply to all of you, but so popular might not be the right term, but that's the kind of the image that I do think we portray sometimes is it almost goes back to that like high school sense of like, well, I have more things to do than you. Like I'm very important and blah, blah, blah. So hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced. So differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. So the first thing to, sl- to slow down and simplify, when it comes to decision making around food, this kills me because this is a struggle for me. And it's something that I see other people struggle with so much. It is like the constant battle of my gym members is meal planning. And people love to hate meal planning and they love to complain about meal planning and they love to make me out to be the villain when I suggest meal planning. But here's the thing with meal planning. It makes your life so much more simple and it slows your life down so much as well. Because when you have meals planned out, you take away this whole element of trying to figure out dinner every night. And one of the worst feelings in my day is when it gets to be like four, 4.30 and I'm like, oh God, what are we having for dinner tonight? I cannot stand that feeling. It makes me bitter as a wife. It makes me bitter as a mother. Like this is not something I ever signed up for. I'd never signed up. I signed up to get married. I signed up to have a child. I never signed up to say like, Hey, I would love to be the family dinner maker, but somehow that's the role I got. And so what I've done and over time, like that's just what makes sense in our family. It makes sense for me to be the dinner maker because first of all, I'm kind of a control freak about food. And secondly, I'm the person who is here at home from like four to six. So where I actually can be preparing the dinner rather than my husband trying to come in at six from work and doing it. So it just makes sense. With that said, though, I've done some things to simplify that so that it's not something I'm resentful for or resentful about. And it's not something that really monopolizes my thought process during the day anymore. So here's the thing with meal planning. Breakfast, have it be the same thing every day. Lunch can be like, choose between two or three things. And this goes for you and for your kids. And you might think this sounds like ridiculous and crazy, but simplifying meals to that point, I think is a great idea. My husband's mom used to like get up and make him like pancakes and bacon and eggs and waffles and like whatever he wanted every morning when he was little. I think that's crazy. If you have time to do that and you, and that's your joy and your passion, by all means go for it. But if you don't have the time for that, have the same thing every day. My child has had the exact same breakfast every single day of his life since he started solid foods, which it initially it's kind of evolved, but it's the same things. So it started out as sliced banana with peanut butter on it, which evolved into peanut butter toast, which has now evolved into gluten free, then evolved into peanut butter rice cakes because he couldn't have bread. And now we're on peanut butter, gluten free bread. And then sometimes we put jam, sometimes we put bananas, sometimes we put chocolate chips on it. So there's different toppings, but it's like some version of protein, fat and toast kind of a thing. That's what he's had every day for like 
four years, same thing. He doesn't complain at all. So, and I'm not saying that that is what has to be perfect in every family or how it has to be for every family, but really minimize stuff around breakfast. Like it's all the purpose of breakfast is to fuel you for the day. It's not about like being a short order cook and making a bunch of different stuff. When it comes to lunch, keep it really simple and have just a few different options and let it be like a few things. You know, I growing up, I think I ate like the exact same thing for lunch for years. I remember, and I've shared this before when my mom made me start making my own lunch in like the third grade, I think, um, I was like, well, okay, I'm not going to like do this every night. Cause it's, it sucks. <laughs> I had like the worst attitude about it. So I was like, fine, if you're gonna make me make my own lunch, I'm going to make five peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on Sunday night and put them in the freezer. And I'm just going to pull one out of the freezer every morning as I walk out the door. And that's what I did. And I did that for years. And I just went to school with a frozen sandwich and by lunchtime it was defrosted. And that's what I ate every day. <laughs> I'm sure I took some sides. I don't know what they were, but that's what I ate every day for years because you know what? My mom didn't have to deal with it. I didn't have to deal with it. It was just super easy. So then when it comes to dinner, theme your dinners. So that takes out the guesswork. You might have a couple decisions to make within the theme, but you can make it so simple. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown. You might want to take some notes here, a quick rundown of what a sample schedule could look like for dinner. And this could be replicated every single week so that it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're eating the same food every week, but it just means that you can replicate this every week so that it's very simple for you to plan what actual foods you'll be eating. So Monday night can be a crock pot meal. So that's something you can make on Sunday, or you can make it on Monday morning, like put it in the crock pot before you go to work. So I often will do a soup, but it could be a soup. It could be, um, like tonight we're having a teriyaki chicken thing, which is like a handful of seasonings and some soy sauce, some honey, um, some, uh, wine vinegar or rice vinegar, not wine vinegar, um, and two raw chicken breasts, like so easy. So something super simple in the crock pot, that's your Monday dinner, whether you make it on Sunday or on Monday, then Tuesday is going to be taco Tuesday. So something Mexican ish. So it's like chopped up vegetables, which by the way, you can chop up on Sunday. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, so chopped up vegetables, some ground meat of some sort. Um, I use, oh gosh, what is, I use like organic, simply organic, I think is the brand I use of taco seasoning. It's actually their fajita seasoning. It's amazing. Um, so some sort of like healthy non MSG taco seasoning kind of a thing and a can of beans, like so easy. And then you can put that in tacos or over salad. If you make a bunch of it, if you like, I always use a whole pound of meat and sometimes I'll do two cans of beans and then a bunch of vegetables. So that can be used for multiple lunches. It can be used for multiple dinners, depending on the side of your, the size of your family. Wednesday burgers. So burgers for you might be, I mean, for all of you, it might be like burgers and buns or whatever. It could also be like a burger over a salad. So like I like doing a burger salad or I'll do like a burger wrapped in lettuce. Um, so there's lots of different ways you could do burgers. Generally kids like burgers and that might, you know, burgers could also have, it might be that you do fries with burgers. It might be that you do some sort of vegetable like Vinny loves roasted yams. So roasted vegetables could be a great side to go with burgers and you can put salt on them. So you get that salty fry ish idea, even if you aren't having fries. And again, if you do roasted vegetables, that's something you could cut up on Sunday. So you could prepare for that in advance and then you just roast them quick. Actually, you could roast them too on Sunday um, or you could roast them that night when you do the burgers. Thursday, stop at the store and grab a rotisserie chicken and some sort of sides from two, one or two sides from the deli. So you don't have to make anything. You come home with a hot chicken and a couple sides and dinner is on the table. Friday leftovers. So you're going to have something left from earlier in the week. So maybe you made extra burgers. Maybe you have the taco stuff left. Maybe there's something left from your crock pot meal. Maybe the chicken's not all gone. So something will be left from earlier in the week and that will be your Friday. 
And because Friday, no one wants to cook anything. So leftovers is perfect. Saturday, you're either going to order dinner. So maybe you're doing that through Uber Eats or some sort of takeout. Um, or you're going out to dinner again. So I don't cook. This is my weekend. I do not, or this is my, um, weekend rule. I do not cook on Friday and Saturday night. Like I don't care what is going on. I do not make deal with food either of those nights. And so it's either like super simple leftovers or we're having something delivered. That doesn't mean I eat horribly. I don't really eat any differently than I do any other night of the week. It just means that I'm not like in charge of creating a meal (laughs) either night. And then Sunday, because Sunday you've had some time to do some prepping. Stir fry is a great thing to do on Sunday because that actually commits you to spending some time chopping things up. So while you're preparing that stir fry for Sunday dinner, just chop extra stuff up based on what you're going to need later in the week. So if you know you're making like chicken noodle soup for Monday, chop extra carrots, extra celery, extra onions, look ahead and like, okay, I also want to roast some vegetables to go with burgers on Wednesday. So then I'm going to also like clean and chop my Brussels sprouts and get some yams, you know, peeled and ready to go. Um, chopping up maybe some Vinny loves uh, roasted mushrooms and zucchini. So like chopping those things up in advance. So when you get that cutting board out and you're going to town chopping stuff up for your stir fry on Sunday, you can be chopping things for later in the week as well. So then you're doing just a bunch of cutting at once. And I love to do this while I listen to a podcast. <laughs> so maybe you could listen to the Shameless Mom Academy while you do some meal prep on Sunday. Um, or you can listen to music, either or. But I, I do this Sunday morning. So actually, I do it during my normal workout time because I don't work out on Sundays. And so I do it, like I get up, we have breakfast, and then I just immediately go into meal prep. Um, and I spend like an hour or so just making a bunch of stuff for the week. And that's kind of my Sunday morning routine. And so that, and it's, it's very easily built into my, into our schedule because we don't generally have anywhere to be early on Sunday morning. So maybe you do have somewhere to be if you're going to a sports thing or to church or something. So maybe yours would fall at a different point in the day, but that's where ours fits. So figure out where that fits for you. Okay. So number two, number two secret to slowing down and simplifying is going to be to time block your chores. So instead of like looking at which I am like so guilty of this. I look at the floor and I panic because there's dog hair all over the floor because I swear my dog only sheds more and more as she gets older. Um, so I look at the floor and I'm like, Oh, the dog hair, I can't take it. I need to vacuum. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm in the bathroom and I notice that there's like Vinny has peed on the floor and I'm like, Oh, now I need to go do this. And like, then, and then the next day I realize like, Oh, Vinny doesn't have any sweats left. And so then I need to do laundry. So instead of doing all this like reactive cleaning and pickup, how about consolidating it and time blocking it? So one of the things I do with work as much as I can is I time block things. So like this afternoon is all podcast stuff. I'm doing all podcast stuff for the next couple hours. And that means I'm recording this episode. I'm recording another episode. um, And then I'm doing some things to prepare for interviews I have coming in the next two days. So that's all podcast stuff. That's all blocked in one lump. Other times I'm focusing on lumps of time where I'm focusing just on gym stuff for my gym here in Seattle. So time blocking. So the same thing at home time block and put aside time and have it designated. Like every Monday is the night that we come home and we do like, and maybe not Mondays because you don't want to make Mondays harder than they already are. But one night a week, like we come home and for 30 minutes, we all do some sort of chore. So maybe it's that, and that would include like vacuuming, cleaning bathrooms, um, or at least the toilets and like sweeping if need be, or toy cleanup. And depending on your family and your family situation, like kids might be able to chip in with that. And also the bar can be really low for these things. So when I say like clean the bathroom, I basically mean clean the pee up off the floor. If you want to do more than that, do more than that, but it doesn't have to be like 
clean the bathroom from top to bottom. Maybe scour the tub if that's needed as well. But look at like, what are the high priority things here? It doesn't need to be all of the things. So go and do the high priority things and say like, we're going to do this for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever you guys have decided in advance. And so this might be at the end of a day on a weeknight. It might also be, I, don't, I mean, I know a lot of people do this on the weekend as well, but where you have this like designated time where we're just being really focused and we're doing as many things as we can get done in this time, we're getting it done, knocking it out. That might mean that some things don't get done like dusting. Who cares? Like no, who, no one cares how much dust is in your house. I'll just tell you right now. So if you don't have time to dust, don't. If you're more concerned with the dog hair on the carpet, then do that. So prioritize what is most important. And then in, in addition to time blocking um, chores, also look at your laundry system. So one of the most life-giving things I finally decided to do when Vinny was probably three is I decided to buy him seven shirts and seven pairs of pants and seven pairs of socks and like 12 pairs of underwear. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing this so that we only have to do laundry once a week. And initially I was like, you know, he doesn't need like that many clothes. That seems like a lot of clothes. But then I thought, you know, if I do this, I only have to do laundry once a week. And that's worth the time and money to me to pay for more clothes even though it seemed excessive because growing up, I never had like a different outfit for every day of the week. My mom was very frugal with us, um, with money spent on clothes. And then when I had to buy my own clothes in the fifth grade, by the way, I had to start buying my own clothes. I didn't have the money to buy. So I had like two or three outfits. I did wear a uniform. So that made a huge difference. But like in the summer and stuff, it was like, here's my two or three outfits. And we were doing laundry like all the time. Um, so have a laundry system that works for you. And and understand the value of your time and the value of your stress. And so if doing laundry multiple times a week is killing you, buy more clothes. And I don't mean that in a super materialistic way because the way I do it is I wait until Old Navy has like a 40% off everything sale and I buy a whole season's worth of clothes. So I did this a couple weeks ago, knowing we were going to Hawaii, there I get, I'm on the old Navy email list and I get an email from them that there's like 40% off of everything. And I was like, great. Got seven pairs of shorts that will last Vinny until next October. I got seven shirts. I got him. What did I get? I got a new set of socks, which, um, cause his current ones were starting to get holes in them. And then I got, Oh, and I got him a new pair of Crocs cause his current ones are starting to get a little bit old as well. And so, or a little bit small. Um, so yeah, that was basically like, that's his whole summer. My big splurge in that whole thing was I got him some new sunglasses, which by the way, I put in Instagram. You have to go check out our sunglasses picture. He has pink mirrored sunglasses and I have red mirrored sunglasses. And I kind of think we're like, we're really on top of our sunglass game. So you can go over to Instagram, go over to the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram and check out our new sunglasses. So that was like my big splurge. I got him these sunglasses for Hawaii. And I think they were like, I don't know, $4.50 or something. <laughs> but I was like, oh, this is kind of like a fun little thing. And since everything was 40% off, I can, I can justify indulging in these little sunglasses. So, um, so yeah, look at your laundry system and how can you make it be less consuming? Also, how can you invo involve your children in it? So Vinny helps me with his laundry. Vinny also helps me with emptying the dishwasher. Vinny feeds the dog twice a day. So he's four and he does all these things. Um, so ch chores, he helps. We actually have cleaners come every other week. And on Wednesday morning of the week that the cleaners are coming, 
his job is to make sure there's no toys on his floor. And he, we've been practicing this for a long time. And I won't say he's always like super into it, but now he kind of knows that like that's the expectation. And so sometimes even like a day or two in advance, he'll all tell him like, oh, the cleaners are coming in two days and he'll even like start picking up then. So he, the more you practice these things, even though there can be some initial resistance, the more it becomes just like, this is what we do as a family. So that it's not like, this is what mom does. Mom does all of it. No, it's that this is as a family, here's how we all contribute. And we haven't even really broached the conversation around allowance for him yet he just does chores as and we don't even call them chores we just like say like this is what we're doing now um and he just does that as like a means to contribute to the family i'm sure at some point we'll have like a chore allowance conversation and figure navigate through all of that and i'm sure i'll have to do a whole episode on it because i don't know the first thing about it so you guys can all feel free to fill me in um okay and then as well you want to time block your meal prep your, or sorry, your meal planning, your grocery shopping and your meal prep. So time block all of that. Like I do my grocery shopping on Saturday. I do my meal prep on Sunday. Sometimes I'll do my grocery shopping even earlier. Like if my day is slow on Friday, I'll go in the middle of the workday or I will have Instacart deliver it, which is fantastic to have my groceries delivered. I do that frequently, which is another great way to outsource and create some time and space and sanity for yourself. So that was your second way to slow down and simplify. Your third way to slow down and simplify is divide and conquer. So I just talked about part of this. The first piece of this is everyone does chores, not just you. <clears throat> so you were not, like I said earlier, I chose to become a wife and I chose to become a mom. I did not choose to become the family cleaner upper. I did not choose to become like anyone's slave or servant. I did not choose to become the person who's in charge of like all these other things that just happened to seem to fall under the mom cloak. And so everyone does chores. It's not just me. And so we have some boundaries around that in our household. And so the, like my, my, I'm in charge of appointments for Vinny. My husband is in charge of appointments for the dog and for things related to our rental house. And so we have some division of labor there. So there's times when like I have to do way more stuff for Vinny and then there's times where he has to do a bunch of stuff. So our rental house, we're turning it over right now to new renters. My husband for the last three weekends has spent like most of his time over there doing stuff. And he has he loved it not even a little bit but he hasn't complained because he knows that like every so often this is what he does and on the flip side of that I do a lot of things every day with our with our household that we live in and the functionality of that so there's times when his is like super concentrated and kind of a, a big pain but then he doesn't have to do it as often so there's a little bit there's some division there which is a it's a little bit mentally freeing to me when I see that when he gets roped into rental house stuff. I'm like, whew, like I don't have to do everything. It's nice to see, so not that he doesn't contribute in many ways because he does, but sometimes I'm like, oh, it's just nice when someone else has like family commitments. <laughs> it's not just me feeling in charge of everything. Um, the other piece of that would be to share duties with other families. So could you be sharing duties in terms of carpool or doing trades with kids where like we have fam uh, family friends who um, one day a week bring home another little girl um, and so that the, those parents can work later. And then another day a week, their little girl goes to the other family's house. And so, so then my friends, my friends, the mom of the little girl, they can have a little bit of a later work night. And so think about how you how you can be resourceful with your family, friends and kids are in school with to not have to be in charge of all the duties. Like where can you be swapping carpool? Where can you be swapping like playdates and those kinds of things? So dividing and conquering means that it's not that you are, you're figuring out ways to simplify your life by taking a few things off your plate so that it's not just you doing all of it, that actually other people can be involved too. And that might even be like, if, is there an older kid that go that's a neighbor that goes to school at the same time as your child that could walk them? And so maybe there's, you know, a 14 or 15 year old 
um, that can walk your, or maybe even a 12 or 13 year old that could walk your child, you know, two blocks down the street to go to school. Again, like depending on the dynamics of your city and your traffic and streets and all that, that may or may not be appropriate, but there are ways where you can make these kinds of situations work where it's not all on you all the time. So think about ways you can divide and conquer. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Number four is social boundaries. If you want to simplify and slow down, you have to have some social boundaries. And social boundaries means that you're really clear on how you prioritize your social time. So social time is extremely important to my husband and to me, but we're also really careful about how we book it. And so he actually, I'm more of a homebody than he is. Um, but he's also very aware of like, he's not going to be gone like on a Friday and a Saturday night, leaving me home and where I might be a little cranky. Um, although that does give me a lot of time to catch up on Real Housewives, which I'm always extremely grateful for because I refuse to watch it when he's in the house because his commentary is not impressive to me. Um, so a lot of what we do on week with weekend time is we book one social thing, one evening weekend, not both. So we'll do something on a Friday or a Saturday, but not both. And that would you know, be in relationship to date night and to family events. So we generally are home one night and then out doing something one night. And so sometimes Vinny's with us, sometimes he's not, but we aren't gone both nights. Um, that, there, you know, like I said, there can be exceptions to all of these things, but we try to be aware of booking things in that way. 
We often don't book things on Fridays because Fridays people tend to be kind of tired and cranky. And so oftentimes like it can be hard to get Vinny to transition from school to a social event on a Friday night. And so we often will aim for a Saturday event. Um, but we're, we try to be aware of like not overbooking a weekend. And the other thing about overbooking the weekend is that you do not have to have events planned morning, noon, and night on a weekend for your children. So you don't need to have, and I see this already with people with four-year-olds, like, well, our morning activity is going to be going to the zoo and our afternoon activity is going to be going to this park. You don't have to have an event for all waking hours. It could be like our morning activity is going to the zoo and our afternoon activity is playing at home and just being at home and practicing being at home and having like time and space to just chill. And that's something we have done a lot of with Vinny. I think because we do tend to be um, homebodies on the weekend and we, we, we've been careful about social scheduling on the weekend, we often are home in the afternoon. So a lot of times we'll do stuff in the morning and then we're home all afternoon and into the evening and sometimes for the whole evening. Um, but we don't overbook things. And so we don't, we're not, you know, on the rare occasion, there are rare occasions where we have something in the morning and something in the afternoon, but that's definitely not the norm. And then if we have a bunch of invitations to one thing in the same weekend, we don't do all those things. We don't go to everything we're invited to. We don't go to every single birthday party. It just doesn't make sense. We have a kind of a birthday season in our household because Vinny is in two different groups of friends where all the kids are born within a couple months of each other. And so like from August to October is just crazy time in terms of um, how many birthday parties we are, we are invited to attend. And then Vinny's birthday is in there as well. And it gets a little out of control. So if we have two birthday parties on the same day, we usually only go to one. Um, and that's where we have to make some choices. And that's where, and as he gets older, I think that that will be valuable for him. And especially in the age, you know, I think there's an age range where kids are, the whole class is invited to every party. Like he doesn't need to go to 20 parties, birthday parties a year. So we're kind of selective on like the ones that make most sense with our family schedule rather than trying to go to every single one. Um, also, I think that it helps to have your kids know that you choose between events because then they they see that like prioritizing some downtime is important and prioritizing, um, prioritizing like what events, like why would you, would you choose one event over the other? Like why, why is one more important to you and having conversations about that? You know, is this a really good friend of yours? That's great. If that person is a really good friend who you've had for a really long time, that totally makes sense that you would want to go to that event. So let's prioritize that event over maybe like some over a play date with, um, and you know, someone that you're not as close with. And so really making, having those kinds of conversations, um, so that you are kind of prioritizing how you spend your time. I grew up in a neighborhood where there were no kids my age and my school was really far away from my house. It was about a 20 minute drive across a lake, um, which I know 20 minutes doesn't sound that far, but it was like, it kind of felt like you were moving between two major cities. And a lot of parents did not ever, uh, I grew up in Redmond, Washington, which is across a lake from Seattle. And all my friends were in Seattle and Seattle parents did not come to Redmond for anything. Like they didn't really know where Redmond was. They knew that there was this bridge between Seattle and Redmond, but like, they didn't know, like, if any, like what kind of world existed on the Redmond side of the bridge. Um, most people thought I was like, I mean, cause it kind of was like a farming community when I first grew up there early on when I was growing up there, it was just beginning, becoming developed. And so I had to totally prioritize. Like I got on a good weekend, I got one play date and it was this huge coordination between like my mom and the other, or my mom, cause I was raised by a single mom and one of the other parents of like, where are we going to meet to drop these, to connect the kids? And cause my mom didn't want to drive us to Seattle because she drove us there for school every day. Um, and then the other families were like, well, we don't want to drive to Redmond because like, where is that even? And so we would like have these drop-off points where we'd like meet in a restaurant parking lot and trade kids. And 
it worked really well, but my mom was very clear, like, I will do this one time per weekend. I'm not spending my whole weekend running you around. Um, and so that was just like, that was just how it was. There was like no negotiation around that. So we just had quiet time at home sometimes. And that was actually really, it was really great. I mean, I got to be like a really nerdy straight A student because I had the time to be sitting home doing my homework and working on some extra credit projects. <laughs> um, Another rule that I have around social boundaries that I'm, that I'm a stickler for is that I really make an effort to not be away from home more than two nights a week. And because of my work with my gym, there's often times when I do need to be at the gym one or two nights a week for different things. And this kind of goes in phases and in seasons again. But so there, when in those times when I have to be gone for, at the gym a couple nights a week, then I don't accept any social invitations on the during those weeks. And there's times when I have like really good friends getting together for things. And I'll say, sorry, guys, I can't meet up. I already have two things I'm going to be gone for this week. I'm not, I can't be gone for another. And I'm super honest about it. I'm not like, I don't lie. I just say, I already have two other nights busy that week and I can't be gone more than two nights a week. Like that's just my boundary. And I don't know. I mean, maybe they say something about it behind my back. Maybe they don't like, I don't care. That's their thing, not mine. Um, but that's the boundary that I put for myself because I like to be home for dinner and for bedtime with Vinny. We don't, that's like special time, especially since he's in school full time right now. Um, and by full time, I mean, he is at school from nine to five every day, Monday through Friday. And so it's really important that I have that time with him from like five to eight. And I don't want to miss that more than two nights a week. So then there's some weeks where that I'm not gone at all. And that's fine too. It's like this week I had a a conference call I had to lead on Monday night, but I'm home all the other nights this week. So that's great. Okay. Number five, stop over scheduling extracurriculars, limit how many activities your kids get to do and how many you do. So this kind of goes back to some of the social boundary stuff. There's definitely some connections there, but it also goes to the number of activities children can participate in because there is like endless opportunities for extracurriculars. I was a kid who grew up doing zero extracurriculars because I live so far away from my school. It didn't make any sense for me to do extracurriculars at my school. And I refused to do extracurriculars with my neighborhood opportunities because I didn't know anyone. And so I did not do any. So I don't recommend that route (laughs) because I think I missed out on a lot. But I also think that you don't need to have your kid in like gymnastics and karate and soccer and swimming and like whatever. You don't need to have a different thing every day. So look at what things are most important to you. With Vinny as an only child, it would be really easy for me to overbook him because there's a lot of things I want him to do because I didn't get to do them. So I really love that like he's already done soccer we could do that year round. We don't. He's doing gymnastics right now instead of soccer. We do one or the other. And the same, so right now we're doing swimming and soccer, sorry, we're doing swimming and gymnastics and that's it. And if he wants to switch back to soccer, then he has to give up the swimming or the gymnastics. And I won't let him give up swimming because I think it's an important life skill. So basically he only has the gymnastics to negotiate with. Um, And right now he's loving gymnastics. So that's, you know, he, that's what he's choosing and that's fine. But we got invited to do soccer, um, with a friend from school and I think he would really love it. And it's on Saturday mornings and we actually are available to do it. But I said, no, because I said, we're going to stick with swimming and, and gymnastics for right now. Cause he's really loving gymnastics. Um, and I'm not, and we're not, and also, we also have some other things that we like to do on Saturdays and I'm not going to commit every Saturday at 10 o'clock to doing soccer. And so he's not doing soccer right now. And so that's the trade that we made. So have your kids really look again at prioritizing, like what is important in terms of extra extracurriculars. And if you have multiple kids, maybe they each get to do one thing, but not that everyone is doing multiple things and looking again at your stuff too. Where do you overschedule? So it might not necessarily be over extracurriculars, but it might be that you are on like too many committees at work 
where you're like having to work through your lunch hour every day because you are in, me- in meetings all day, or maybe you're doing too much stuff at your kid's school. And like you, I totally get wanting to be present and be involved, but you don't have to do everything. Like you don't have to be the chair of every committee. And so if you could back off on some of those things, that would be great. Um, again, if you could like partner with parents and share some of the responsibility on things as well. So when you look at extracurriculars, it's not just where your kids are spending time outside of school. It's also where are you spending time that is taking away from your ability to slow down your lifestyle. Again, tearing off that busy badge. How can you unschedule yourself so that you can relieve some of the symptoms of being over busy and proudly claiming that you just have not so much to do and never enough time and all that kind of frantic mindset stuff. Number six, this is my favorite one, quality, quiet time. So Vinny is now transitioning away from naps, which I hate saying out loud because naps have been like the thing I've enjoyed most about being a parent, <laughs> but um, he's, in, he's transitioning out of nap time. He still does nap most weekends, but it's a much shorter nap um, on Saturday and Sunday than it used to be. So we've instituted a quiet time. So when he wakes up from his nap and we'll talk about this in advance, like he goes down for a nap and I always say like, you can just take a quick nap. It's fine. You don't have to sleep for a long time. And then when you get up, you can have quiet time and we'll plan in advance. Like here's, you know, and it's always Legos, but it's like, what do you want to do during quiet time? And where are you going to do it? And so he does it. And not that sometimes he comes out and he's like, oh, I want to come down early or whatever. Like that definitely happens, but he knows that quiet time exists. He knows the constructs around quiet time. He kind of knows how we manage that. The other piece of that is that he knows that I have quiet time at the same time. So it occurred to me a while ago, probably, I don't know, a year ago that we had some friends whose kids were not napping anymore. And I was like, Vinny hasn't even like, it hasn't occurred to Vinny to not nap because he doesn't know that he thinks everyone in the world naps. Like it, it hasn't entered his mind that there's a life outside of nap time, that there's things actually that are going on in the world outside of nap. And so it occurred to me as we were starting to shift out of, um, away from nap time a little bit, that it was imperative that he understood that the alternative to nap time is that the whole world has quiet time. And so that it wasn't like you can be at nap time or you can be up playing and like, we're all doing stuff together. It's like, no, like we're all having time by ourselves. And so he knows that like, usually while he's having nap time or quiet time, I'm on the main floor of the house doing either something quietly like reading, maybe I'm watching a show, maybe I'm not doing something on the computer, but it's like a quiet independent activity. And then my husband is down in the basement, usually doing kind of the same kind of thing. So he might be watching sports or doing, he might have some stuff that he's doing on his computer, but we're kind of all in our own corners and we're all doing our own thing. And it's like super chill. And this is every Saturday and Sunday from two to four, like it is like clockwork. And so, I mean, again, like every now and then things come up and if he misses a nap or misses quiet time, it's no big deal, but this is very much the precedence that we've set. And so it will be easy for us to transition out of naps and just go into quiet time. And so like he can have his things that he does during quiet time as the list may vary, although it will probably always include Legos and the, and then my husband and I can have our time. And that gives us time and space to slow down and have some space and have some peace. And it also forces Vinny to do the same. It forces him to find ways to just be alone and play independently and which he's actually really good at. He's really good at playing independently, but we also have kind of forced him to do it. Like when he gets up in the morning, he doesn't just get up and like, he knows when he gets up in the morning, I'm always doing my workout. And then either before or after my workout, I read for 15 minutes. And so he knows that like I'm busy. So this morning he came down really early and he was kind of fussing about staying down. Usually I make him go back up to his room 
So finally I was like, you can stay down here, but I am doing my workout and I'm doing my reading. And I said, you, I cannot, I'm not playing with you right now. And so he stayed downstairs and he played by himself while I did those things. So he, he sees that I have priority items that I do to take, that I make sure are done every day to take care of myself for self-care and like having my downtime and getting in the things I need to get done. And then when we come together as a family, it's like, okay, now it's family time. And now we're going to get ready for the day and have breakfast and you can help me make your lunch or put, we usually have the lunch half made at night. And then we put in a few final pieces in the morning and then there's like music and we play and like all sorts of things happen in the morning before he goes to school to involve the whole family. And so having some structure and parameters around that is really, really helpful. And quiet time is like this very known concept to him now. Um, so that it's not like, he doesn't freak out about it. It doesn't feel like anything. It doesn't feel like a punishment. It's not like you need to go to your room and have quiet time because I don't want to be around you. It's just like, this is our activity that we're doing right now. And then number seven, the number seven secret to slow down and simplify is outsourcing. Where can you have other people do things for you? So again, we talked about swapping kids. So trading with another family for maybe for playdates where you have a little bit of downtime. Maybe you are ordering your food through Instacart and having groceries delivered. Maybe you are hiring someone to do yard work or outsourcing laundry. I know my friend Lori Kennedy has started outsourcing all of her laundry. She put up this great Facebook post about outsourcing laundry and like what it means to her to have someone else do her laundry and fold it and bring it back clean and fresh and deliver it to her door. Like to her, that's worth a million dollars. So there's other things that she gives up in life so that she can have that. So looking at how you can prioritize that. You can also look at, you know, it doesn't have to be super expensive. So hiring kids to do this, hiring neighbor kids to mow your lawn, those kinds of things, hiring a mother's helper to come take care of the kids for a couple hours, you know, on Sunday morning while you do your meal prep and food planning and whatever, all those kinds of things. Those things can be very simple. It doesn't have to be this like expensive, like, oh, now I have to get a babysitter and I have to pay for a service and like all those kinds. It doesn't have to be this really complicated, expensive um, obligation, it can be very simple. You just have to be creative about it. So think about what could you outsource that would give you so much peace of mind. Like for us, it was getting the house cleaned every two, every other week. Huge. Like we will never, we will always find a way to make that work. Um, that's a big priority. The other piece was like getting Vinny seven outfits. So he has seven different things. So I'm only doing laundry once a week. <clears throat> we also do, um, grocery delivery here and there as well. So those are things that like, yes, they might cost me a few dollars here and there. Well worth my time and my money. So I would rather do that and have less money for other things. I'd you know, I'd rather go on less dates and have my house clean twice a week to be honest, or twice a month, to be honest with you. So you have to look and prioritize it with what makes sense for you. But all of these things, all seven of these things, doing any one of them will free up mental space and relieve some of that daily decision fatigue. And that creates space for peace and for calm and to model good habits to your kids. It helps you be more mindful in all of your daily interactions when you have some of that space, when you've like, when you've torn off the busy badge and you've created space for you and your family to exist a little more peacefully and a little more calmly. That's not to say there aren't going to be days, moments, and seasons where things might feel a little more rushed and busy and hectic, but there's also, if you have these constructs built in, when you get through that season, you go, you know, right what you're going back to. So like, you know, on an occasion where, you know, Vinny misses a nap in quiet time, it's like, he knows we're going back to that the next day. It's not like that it's all blown because we've instituted these systems so that there are expectations in our household. So that's what I have for you today. 
I hope that you learned something new and something really effective that you can apply to um, slow down and simplify your life starting right now. So make sure you took, make sure you write down a few things because writing things down will actually help you make a little bit more of a connection. So you'll actually do the things I said. And then let me know, let me know which of these seven methods spoke most to you. Email me at info at Sarah, uh, info at shamelessmom.com. And you can tell me which really resonated with you. I would love to hear. So thank you for listening. If you found this episode to be helpful, please do share it out with your other mama friends and with maybe with some other moms who you think need to slow down and simplify or who might appreciate slowing down and simplifying. You can share by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 105, 105. And you can also find us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy. And you can share from there as well because these episodes will be posted there for you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with me today. And remember, when you're slowing down and simplifying today, no matter what you do, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.